podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Welcome back to the Bosco's Boys podcast. I am visited today by a new guest for me. I think you've been on the show before, but it's one of the three-headed monster over at K-State Online, Mr. Drew Galloway. Drew, how you doing? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing well. Um, before we get into the show today, I'm just going to talk real quick about Spotify Greenroom. Um, it's a live show, audio-only sports talk platform that we do every Wednesday at 7 p.m. So today's Wednesday, so you should you should hop in the room tonight, Drew. Um, it's free to download, free to use. You talk to me, talk to Scott, and a bunch of other Cats fans about whatever um, you know, whatever's going on at the time and what we're talking about. It's perfect for watch parties, debates post-game breakdowns, reacting to breaking news. You can share, you know, all sorts of good stuff. We could get some insiders on there, players, maybe some coaches someday. Who the hell knows? But uh, check us out um, on Wednesday nights, uh, 7 o'clock, Spotify Green Room. Drew, welcome to Blitz Month. Um, we usually do Blitz Week, but this, this year we're going insane, and we're doing pretty much a show a day of some sort. So, Mr. Drew Galloway, you just graduated from K-State last semester. Tell us what it was like for you going to school senior year with COVID-19. Oh, man. It it was so different, especially the first semester, because, like, you're thrown in and everybody's wearing a mask everywhere and nobody knows what to expect. I remember I was in a class that was really, really small, like, 10 people max probably and like four people tested positive within the first like two weeks so we all had to go and get tested and I'm at the urgent care and I'm just seeing like car loads of people pull up just to get tested and I I remember thinking to myself and text my parents I was like there's no way in hell that we finish this semester but we got through it everything was fine I ended up testing positive and like right around Halloween, like right after Halloween. So, you know, that, that happened and that sucked. And then you got through first semester and then second semester was totally different. Like second semester, we started to wear masks like for class and everything, but like people were starting to go out more. People were going to the bars all the time. I got both, both my shots during second semester and like it was so different than the first semester which had me a little bit upset thinking of like the whole year could have been like that and been fun and everything but just wasn't meant to be and then graduation was weird because everybody's wearing a mask and it it was it was all like just extremely different and you would have predicted that at any time in our lives at least I would know. I mean, it seemed fucking horrid. I, I, I can't imagine having to go to school in a pandemic, let alone college. Um, I mean, did it make it harder to like pass classes 
because it seems like a lot of students struggled. I don't know if it's because, I mean, online, there's obviously already online classes. And yeah. A lot of times those are kind of weird, but typically you kind of figure it out pretty quickly. But having like a full scale virtual school, I think I would probably struggle with that because it'd be pretty easy to fuck off. Oh, yeah. It was super easy to fuck off. Like the hardest thing was, at least for me and my friends, wasn't like the class content. It was trying to stay motivated and yeah. trying to be able to do that. But I, I thought school was a lot easier. But, you know, there there's reasons for that. Online tests where there's no proctor. Right. Hmm. <laughs> wonder, wonder what everybody was doing there. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so I've kind of known you somewhat since you were a kid, since our families, you know, have always tailgated together. They've aligned somewhat at bowl games. So I've seen you kind of running around since you were a little kid. Um, did you always want to cover K-State? Did you always want to be a journalist? Yeah, um, that was always like my end goal, which is it's crazy that, that that's actually how I'm going to be starting is going right into K-State sports right after graduation which is something i never would have predicted back then right um so you started interning initially with k-state online but now you're officially hired um what is it that you cover for kso specifically uh so right now it's mostly football and football recruiting and dy and i kind of split it up and flando does basketball dy kind of does it all I do football and then football recruiting with that, but I'm starting to get a little bit in, more into basketball and basketball recruiting, but th that's, that's coming. This past like two or three months has been absolutely insane. Yeah. You got plenty of time to start covering basketball. I think, you know, all the focus is on football right now and as it should be with us coming into a season that is quote unquote COVID free. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, so you just had your first Big Twelve Media Day. Tell me about that experience and what surprised you about it, and what was your favorite part? Something that surprised me was probably just how much like everybody missed getting all together and being able to do everything because that that's something that every single coach mentioned. And, like it's something that people don't really think about. Like even Chris Kleiman this or yesterday talked about how this was the first in-person press conference of just K-State media since February, 2020. So like, it's just something that like everybody missed. And I, it surprised me how much everybody missed it and how much I really missed it. And then my favorite part uh, was honestly interacting with all the coaches because we get to see them and how they act and how they conduct a room and how they present themselves. And we got to see every single coach besides besides Lance Leifold, which was kind of funny. But getting to see how they acted was really fun. We we ran an elevator with Neil Brown at the end of the first day and got to interact with him a little bit off off the record and off script. And it was a really good time. Going out in Arlington was really fun. I mean, we all got to see Flando in the greatest shirt to ever exist. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, as you know, I have experienced media day myself and I've experienced Neil Brown. He barged into the bathroom on me um, at Arlington Stadium. And there's debate on whose fault it is, um, but I would imagine that a line 
would be indicative of that there's somebody in the bathroom. So I think it goes more so on Neil Brown, but um, that's neither here nor there. And we'll, we'll see how long climbing and the other coaches miss getting together to face media uh, as the season goes along. I'm sure that will, that will wear out pretty quickly, but we all made a joke with them yesterday about, he said that he missed it and he said, or we all said like, are you sure? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we'll see how long all of that lasts. Hopefully it's a good season and it's all peachy, but um, that's all I've got to ask for you before we get into these blitz questions. Um, And before we do that, remember, remember folks, check out Spotify green room Wednesdays, 7 PM live audio only sports talk. You can, I mean, it's free to download It's Spotify green room. You can create a profile, link it to your Twitter. You can join groups. Um, There's groups going on all the time talking about all sorts of conversations. It's pretty sweet. Um, like I said, Drew, pop in there tonight, see what's Literally going down. Bring back free. the Thursday shows. The, thir- the Thursday was so fun. Like Thursdays, second semester, I hop in the Thursday shows. We're like pre-gaming to go out to the bars and I'm just sitting there, got, got my headphones on. We might time. have to. Wednesdays seems to work out a little bit better for us, but um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, these blitz questions um, is kind of uh, not a necessarily a rapid fire, but it's kind of a template, a templated um, round of questions that we're asking a bunch of different people to see kind of what their perspective is going into this 2021 season. Starting off with Drew, who's going to be your offensive MVP this year? And it cannot be, be cannot be Deuce or Skyler. If it's not them, then I think it's got to be a Malik Knowles or a Daniel Lee Matter Bebe. Somebody else has to step up and be a threat. That way Deuce can do what he does best and get the ball in space. Um, another one that has kind of emerged to me, and I guess that's kind of could go with the next couple of questions, but Tyrone Howell might be up there. Just I guess I could literally label this any receiver. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody in the receiver room has to step up. It sounds like Joe Urban could be taking a large amount of carries from the running back position as well. There's been a ton of buzz about him lately. Um, He's, he's going to be mentioning one of these next few questions as well. So what about your defensive MVP? Uh, Defensive MVP. MVP, I I guess since it doesn't come with with the caveat with this one, it's got to be Julius Brents. Your best player has to be your best player. And from, everything that we've heard since he came in and even before that is that he is going to be a future NFL player and you go as far as your best players do and if he truly is K-State's best player he has to do that on a week-to-week basis because if he is as good as advertised he he takes away one side of the field or one player depending on if they're going to be playing more man or more zone he can take as much of the field away as he wants. Yeah, I think that one's pretty straightforward. Julius Brent's probably the go-to answer there. And there's, you can throw in a few more nuanced answers, but. Yeah. Um, Timmy, I, Timmy Horn is probably second for me in that. It could be a player along the D line that transforms the line. If somebody has a breakout year, that kind of opens everything up for the rest of the line. So I could kind of agree with Timmy Horn there too. Um, moving on. Who is going to be your young breakout player on offense? And that's got to be a freshman or a sophomore um, that does not, has not yet made a, a major impact. Uh, give me Joe Irvin. Uh, there's been so much positive buzz about him, especially the last two days. 
he's in almost every single K-State camp video as well. And we've heard from Chris Kleiman and Brian Anderson today that he plays the fastest. He's not the fastest player, but he plays the fastest. And Brian Anderson today said that when he hits the hole, he's gone and there's no catching him. Uh, a second for me is probably, I guess he said fresh and worse off for him, but I'm going to go with a guy that hasn't been on campus very often with uh, Tyrone Howell. And there's been a ton of positive praise about him. And with Sebastian Taylor, maybe not being ready for the first game, I think we can see a heavy dose of Howell early on. I'm very excited about Howell. Um, obviously, you never know. You know, there's often buzz about certain players coming out of fall camp and it doesn't always pan out, but we have had so many wide receiver struggles the last three to four seasons. We don't have, we haven't had, you know, consistency in the wide receiver position with just simply catching the ball. There's been so many uh, issues with in that department. So I'm excited about Howell, and frankly, I expect very little out of Sebastian Taylor this year. I think he was average at best last year, and it took him quite a while to get to that point. So coming off a pretty major injury, I think it just worries me. I don't expect him to be back to full strength for quite a while, and I don't even know if his full strength best, Sebastian Taylor, is really all that good of a wide receiver. So I feel pretty good about Howell. I hope he lives up to the hype, um, and I hope that somebody else you know, can step up Keenan Garber, even Landry Weber can come in here and there to make a couple yeah, plays. Just somebody else has to emerge as a threat. Yes, totally agree. Um, who is – actually, no, that's that. We're going to move on to the next question. What is the pendulum game of the year? I think this is uh, an interesting question, and I like to see everyone's different answers. Um, that's the one game that if we win, it swings the season towards possibly being great, but if we lose – it could swing the season towards possibly being bad. This is a kind of a weirder answer just because it isn't like a game that I think K-State has to win, but I think people will feel really good if they do. And I think it's Nevada because I think Nevada is good enough to be in the top 25. I was surprised when they weren't in the top 25 that came out a couple days ago. They returned 10 of their 11 offensive starters. And the one starter that isn't a returning starter is a senior offensive lineman. Their quarterback has had a ton of positive buzz about potentially being the next small school quarterback that breaks out to become a first-round pick. It's a, it's a game that I don't think K-State necessarily needs to win, especially if they beat Stanford. But if they can beat Nevada, I think they can catapult that into maybe beating, beating Oklahoma State, who is honestly probably worse than Nevada which is a weird thing to say out loud, but I was going through the schedule with some of my friends yesterday and I, and I said like Nevada's probably the third or fourth best team that's on the schedule. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I don't fear Nevada as much as everyone else seems to. Um, I know they return a lot of good players. Um, I know their quarterback is highly touted, but they didn't play fucking anybody last year no. seven and two um you know look at their schedule they squeaked through half of their games um they got two losses against san jose state and hawaii two teams that are 
you know, below average. I, I don't fear them that much. I think returning them returning 10 out of 11 players on offense is scary. It's just because, you know, the defense was such a question mark. Ex- yes. The defense is a question mark and experience kind of speaks for itself. Um, it's, it's invaluable to return that much experience in any team. So, but I don't know. Um, I think that's a fair, you could probably pick any of the first four games there. I wouldn't yes. say the FCS. Stanford game. is one that I, Stanford's one that I thought about. And then but, the same with Oklahoma State. I mean, Stanford, it is the first game of the year. So to pick that is kind of silly because yeah. really in any season, no matter who the opponent is, if you win, if you lose the first game of the year, that could swing the entire season towards being bad. I mean, it doesn't matter who the fuck it is. But I do feel like if we beat Stanford, it will kind of accumulate into positive energy, positive momentum. It is a pretty big pendulum game. And losing that game would be pretty devastating for everyone's confidence. So I like that better. Losing that game would be six consecutive losses, and the whole yeah. the whole off season they've talked about trying to get the bad taste out of their mouth from last season. It's like losing to Stanford, I think, could be pretty detrimental. But as we get closer to that game, I become a little bit less and less worried about Stanford and more worried about Nevada. Which I, I think we're think. personally, I think we're going to start three and zero, and I think we're going to beat the piss out of Stanford. I just I like this team. Um, I do think that there is something to wanting to get the bad taste out of your mouth. And there is something to coming into a season kind of with a chip on your shoulder. But also I do think that kind of across the roster, there's more quality than people realize. Um, returning Skyler is insanely valuable. Oh, yeah. It's very good. And I think that there's other weapons there that people are kind of sleeping on. I, um, and I, I'm not as down on our defense as other people are. I think our line will be fine. I think our secondary will be very good, and the linebackers are a huge question mark. But I, it's not like they're going to be hide the worst them. in the league. Like, yeah, yeah if hide them easier. Our linebackers were shitty last year, and we weren't necessarily getting blitzed by offenses because our linebackers weren't very good. So yeah, like the secondary was such a bigger problem than the linebackers last year at the end of the season when the defense fell apart when the defense the defense the first like four or five games before the secondary had the war of attrition the defense was really solid like if i know that oklahoma state was missing chuba hubbard and tylen wallace played like five plays maybe and kevin jenkins got hurt but they were really really good in that oklahoma state game they were really really good at tcu as well yeah and that was like the defense was fine yes and that was with that was with probably the seventh or eighth best linebacking group in the conference last year and like this year i don't think there's that big of a drop off between justin hughes and elijah sullivan as they're to uh cody fletcher daniel green and maybe nick allen yeah i i completely agree i don't think that they're going to be like that much worse than they were last year so i i'm not super worried about it um i'm kind of excited to see the defense um but we'll move on i'm gonna hold your feet to the fire here this is the big question what is k-state's final record i've said it on the board i think the last two weeks uh that i have it at seven and five don't tell me who the wins are and who the losses are but seven and five just seems like a the right number 
And it's kind of funny because I'm apparently the negative one on KSO because DY has nine and three now. And that, <laughs> that, 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 that never happens. And I, I'm the negative person, but seven and five just seems like the number, but I think their ceiling is probably nine and three. I'm bullish. I'm, I'm, although, you know, at the beginning of every season, I get this childlike optimism because, like, you just kind of feel like it's clean slate, anything can happen. But I really do feel like this game or this season will be similar to 2019, where if the ball goes our way a couple different times, you know, we're 10 and two. It could just as easily go the opposite way and we're, and we're six and six, but. I think that we have the capability to win 10 games. Um, I mean, looking across the conference, I don't think, I mean, it's all that strong. Texas is going to be shit. Iowa state is beyond overrated. Oklahoma is obviously going to be good. And then from, from three to seven, four to seven, all those teams are pretty much the same. So why not? Why not us? It's a really weird year too, where big 12 defenses, I think are going to be significantly better than the offenses. Outside yeah. of Oklahoma's offense and maybe Iowa State, K-State's offense is going to be better than the defense too, I think. Like every other team, I think you could say that the defense is probably better. Oklahoma State lost a ton on offense. Texas Tech, I, I'm just not sold on anything. That they're going to be 10th. They're going to take 10th. Legit. They might Ooh, uh, I, They might I, be worse than KU. Bold take, I like it. I, I've, I've contemplated that, but I, I just can't do that with yeah. how bad of a situation Lance Leifold had of not having any spring practices to maybe say that they get tenth. But now, I, I, in reality, if I had a gun in my head, I still think KU takes last, and I don't think they win a Big Twelve game. But if they do win a Big Twelve game, it's probably going to be it's Texas Tech. Tech. Um, all right, final two question: Who plays in the Big Twelve championship this year? And who is K-State sharing a conference with in 2022? God, I'm going to get a lot of hate from this, this answer on this podcast. I but assume okay. it's going to be a boring-ass answer. Oh, yeah, it's going to be boring as shit. Oklahoma's going to play Iowa State again, and Oklahoma's going to win. But Oklahoma has – this is Oklahoma's best team, I think, by far. I don't know anything about OU this year. I think Spencer Rattler is kind of a pussy, but he's clearly insanely talented, but honestly – I'm not super sold on him yet. Not sold on him yet. I don't I know if he's he, going to be the guy that can like carry, drag his team to, you know, yeah. to the top. And I truly I think, think Iowa state loses four games. Like they're, they benefited so much from COVID last season that they're going to be, have to, they're going to have to play against, you know, big crowds and full rosters. And I just don't think that they're as they're good. They're definitely good. But I think they're like eight and four, nine and three good. Oh, yeah. I think that they get to the Big 12 championship game at like eight and four, nine and three. Like they, there's just no really elite team. And I honestly think K State gets Oklahoma at a really good time. It'll be, yeah. Spencer, it'll be Spencer Rattler's first road game at a, with a packed house in his college career. And especially if K State can go four and zero to start the season, it's going to be a madhouse when Oklahoma yeah. comes to town and maybe, maybe they pull off the upset again, but I, I, I wouldn't I, bet I, on that, but uh, no, but I, I I'm boring in Oklahoma and Iowa say it's my big 12 championship game. So who do the cat share conference with in 2022 after it all shakes out for next season? I'll say 
I'll actually say that all 10 teams stay. I, I'm just not sold on when OU and Texas are going to leave. But I think that it's going to be before 2025. But I don't think that it will come that fast because I don't know what the Big 12 would do when they leave. But I think it would be all eight. It's either going to be the eight teams remaining are going to be where K-State's at or Oklahoma and Texas are going to stay. I could see it. Um, that's all the questions we got for you today, Drew. It's a quick one. Um, thanks for coming on. Drew Galloway from K-State Online. Subscribe to kstateonline.com to get what I think is the best K-State coverage, and you can see Drew covering K-State football and football recruiting. Tell them where to find you on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is at Galloway underscore underscore Drew. And tell your friends, subscribe to KSO. All right, folks, meet me at the Cathead. Podcast Network.